0: Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective. 2020 on Vision. As we do on a Thursday, good to check in with Family Voice Australia. Greg Bondar is the Family Voice Australia State Director for New South Wales and the ACT. Greg, a special welcome back to 2020.
1: Yeah, delighted to be here again, now. Uh, Greg,
0: let's talk perhaps what I think is uh, a very big story, especially for people who are a part of Christian churches, uh, because no doubt people have been wondering, where are the big Christian denominations on this issue of same-sex marriage? And now the Vatican says the Catholic Church can't bless same-sex marriage, saying God can't bless sin. Uh, presenting what they think would be a template for all churches. It's a pretty strong comment, isn't it?
1: Oh, absolutely, Neil. Look, I am. I am so delighted to hear this coming out of the Vatican because you and I both know. If, if you go out into the public square, people keep asking me, "Where is the church on the issue? Why are they going towards the LGBTIQA uh, agenda? What are they doing?" And now we have the Vatican coming out with a really strong statement. The Vatican's doctrinal office has come out and said, churches have no power to bless same-sex marriage. They do make the point, Neil, that whilst whilst they welcome uh, homosexuals in the sense that they're they're made in, you know, as human beings, we have to accept them in the sense that we, we, we want to witness to them the church makes it clear that they are to be welcomed but also shown how to, how to proclaim them to the gospel in its fullness. In other words, we understand what you are But we want to show you the gospel. So this is a great announcement coming out of the Vatican, Neil, and it really is a template for all the other churches here in Australia.
0: A very strong announcement. And uh, I suspect, and I know you've been thinking through issues and implications, not only for all other churches, but I think one uh, you're particularly thinking about, implications for the Anglican Church in Australia that are currently going through all sorts of controversy around same-sex marriage blessings.
1: Yes, absolutely. As you know, we discussed, I think, a few months ago that the Anglican Church, you know, the couple of dioceses, I think it's Newcastle and one in Bendigo, were talking about do we bless same-sex marriages? Now, the answer is this is under discussion. You know, you've got to take a biblical perspective on this. And as it's made fairly clear, uh, there is nothing in the Bible that allows us to be doing this. In other words, you know, we have to look at biblical guidance. And there is no link. No link whatsoever in blessing same-sex marriages in terms of God's plan for marriage and the family. Neil,
0: interesting how the church has survived over these two thousand years. And Greg, it's not been because uh, there's been a bit of a culture change, or somebody had a political idea of why don't we change this, that, or the other. The church has always stand, stood form, uh, stood firm on truth. Uh, the idea that uh, you know that there are no grounds to consider uh, that there is even a remote link to God's plan for marriage and family uh, with homosexuality—it's something that it just won't change in the Bible. It won't change in some churches. Uh, people have been concerned, though, that some have been you know more likely to go with the cultural flow than going with the biblical flow. There's a pretty strong message in that here from the Vatican.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Look, I know. People, I don't know a few that in my in my social circle that are homosexuals, and I talk to them as a as a man of God. You know, I, I, I make sure that I, I I let them know my views. Um, the churches can bless homosexuals, as I mentioned, but we can't bless the unions because one of the problems we've got is, and I keep saying to people now, if homosexuality was natural, none of us would be here today. Now. And, and and you can't argue otherwise. None of us would be here today. And and the church makes it very clear, and we should make it very clear clear as well, Neil, this is not a form of unjust discrimination. It is merely allowing us to conform to the sacrament as the church understands them. In other words, we are just living and showing our faith. We are walking the walk and talking the talk in terms of our belief. So it's not discrimination sharing of our faith
0: now. Uh, Isn't it interesting because as you say the criticism of churches is that uh, they're unjustly discriminating but uh, this is just one side of a spin argument because the other side is that it's not a discrimination but a reminder of the truth and uh, there's some very big differences in that and uh, interesting to see that the Vatican seems to be covering those sides because, uh, you know, they are obviously under that sort of, uh, you know, the blowtorch with people saying it's unjust discrimination uh, that you should uh, have this sort of position. But they're just saying, hey, it's just a reminder of the truth. Uh, something essential in that.
1: Absolutely. I mean, God makes it clear that God does not and cannot bless sin. And if I'm a a man of faith, which I am, I read my my Bible, I read my guidance as to life, uh, I cannot accept the blessing of same-sex marriages. Now, as I keep saying, now that a lot of the, these up-and-coming woke churches say, oh, we want to be inclusive, we want to reach out. Do it and spread the gospel. But also, also, please, please stay with biblical beliefs. In other words, if you're a Bible-believing Christian, you have to go with your faith, not by what other people want you to do. In other words, stop trying to please man, but please God as you should be doing. Uh,
0: Well, a lot of people like to draw a divide and say there's Catholics and there's Protestants and there's something very interesting here that I suspect will be a flow on ripple effect as you say uh, woke churches take note uh, because uh, even the catholic church and people have been critical of the idea that even within the catholic church there's been all sorts of white anting and eating away at this yep. sort of position on marriage and uh, and so i suspect there'll be uh, ripples that will flow right across the spectrum, whether you're Catholic or in Protestant churches, yeah. a very, very strong statement. Hey, let's move on to yeah. another issue, Greg. Uh, abortion rates skyrocketing. What's uh, what's the detail that you have uh, in mind yeah. here?
1: Look, Neil, as you know, we've we been family. We've been out there, you know, putting in submissions to governments, or, you know, South Australia recently, uh, whether in New South Wales or Victoria or Queensland. And one of the things that came across is we just recently came across the pharmaceutical benefits schedule item report, and within that report it is so illuminating that that we had to do a press release this week, and we noted that the use of use of abortion drugs increased from 7,446 to 17,087 in Queensland alone, and from 300 to 600 Sixty-three in the Northern ter- Territory. In other words, it's doubled, and this is what's happening under abortion legislation. And I think what we're raising here is, hey, you've passed abortion as a legislation, but what are you doing to make sure that it's not a free for all to engage in such activity that prevents the child from being born um, in, in abortion clinics? So these have got to be looked at because I don't think politicians really understand what they've what they you know, agreed to in terms of legislation
0: now. Well, it always seems to be the case that no one seems to anticipate that if you water down some ideas around issues like abortion, all of a sudden there's an explosion of abortions. And I think no one seems to intend that. But as you say, Greg, uh, you're looking at uh, uh, the pharmaceutical benefits schedule item reports. So you're looking at some statistics there which show that, yes, there's been a doubling of those numbers. Mm. Uh, And uh, both Queensland and the Northern Territory in that particular detail. Uh, The other thing uh, I think uh, that is an interesting aspect here, and you've been thinking this Mm. issue through, is that when people are having uh, an at-home abortion, you know, when you get the – you know, the pills are in the mail sort of thing, and you've been able to get that just with an easy telehealth appointment – there's all sorts of ramifications for the woman who's going through that abortion within her own home. What are your thoughts here?
1: Yeah, look, it's really sad now because these drugs are readily available, especially, as you mentioned, over telehealth, which was available under COVID. Um, look, you don't, I don't want to go through the nitty-gritty of home births, but when an abortion occurs... in a home situation, it is actually devastating. Um, It it is one that means that the mother has to really look at, how do I handle this? Now, as I said, Neil, it is devastating. The the, the description, you know, is not necessary here. But what I want to point out here is that, you know, these drugs are so readily available. And can I make the point that when the legislation for abortion nationally in some of these, you know, uh, 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 states it what what's happening now is not unintended consequences Neil, my view is that they are intended consequences for example neil just if i can just point this out that a queensland ivf clinic receives two or three inquiries about gender selection every week so that's that is one of the intended consequences that has come out of abortion
0: legislation now. And amazingly because the technology is so good now that you can see the child in the womb and you can determine the child's sex and so even when parents can see the child and they say oh we didn't want a little girl which is I think typical Uh, we wanted a boy then uh, and typically little girls the ones that get uh, done away with uh, there is a certain sense in which uh, you know even the parents can see and they're still choosing to, uh, to take the life of that child. Uh, that's disturbing,
1: Greg. It's very disturbing because, you know, patients report killing uh, their 10-week-old pre-born baby after a blood test revealed that the, that the baby was of the wrong sex. Now, that, is, that, that breaks my heart now to see that happening because you want a boy or a girl and, and it's not what you want. I mean, for goodness sake, life commences at conception. It is a gift from God. And here we are killing that gift.
0: And setting yourself up for pain potentially through your whole life uh, with the psychological effects of uh, those sorts of abortion issues.
1: Absolutely. I mean, it, it, there, there is there is a lot of evidence to indicate that, you know, anything happening under abortion has very, very, serious psychological devastation to the people, in bo- uh, to the people involved, uh, and, and it's one that has to be noted because, you know, having an abortion is not a pleasant thing, I wouldn't think. I was speaking to my wife about this, that, you know, we, Neil, actually lost our first child, um, you know, by accident, but yeah. it, it happened. I was devastated. I had tears coming down my eyes. I said to my wife, we've just lost a child, you know, and and miscarriages do happen. But I was devastated, Neil. And I'm just wondering how these people can go through abortion and not think about their conscience and the impact psychologically. And otherwise, it would have on them, their husbands, their families, and so on.
0: There's always an empty seat around the table. Hey, let's pick up on another issue. You're running campaigns uh, constantly uh, with your good work with Family Voice Australia, Greg. Uh, a new smartphone uh, that's going to resolve some issues uh, for children and their connection to pornography. Yeah. What's this new smartphone yeah. all about?
1: Look, Neil, one of the things that I get all the time, people's telling me, Greg, what can I do about my eight-year-old, ten-year-old child or whatever, that they're on their phone, they go to school, and they are coming across what you and I both know as pornography. Facts indicate nine out of ten boys and six out of ten girls are exposed to pornography online before the age of 18. Social media is the favourite tool of predators. So we're here we're talking about, you know, um, uh, social media like Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok, I don't know some of these things, I've heard about them, but they make children and particularly girls vulnerable to sex traffickers. And we have to put a stop to this. So what's happened all of a sudden is that there's been a new product out in the market that will actually solve this problem now.
0: And just picking up on younger children here for a few moments, Greg, because a lot of people just brush aside the idea, oh, well, they've seen a bit of pornography, maybe that yeah. won't hurt them. But uh, but younger children in particularly... Uh, have been shown to be distressed and uh, by and upset by pornography and and of course uh, you know the effects of it in an ongoing sense throughout their life uh, is potentially there too but uh, this idea that young children uh, they get distressed when they are exposed to these things.
1: Oh, absolutely. The Australian Institute of Family Studies here in Australia has shown that younger children those between 9 and 12 are particularly likely to be distressed or upset by pornography. Now, I was speaking to my wife, who's a teacher at a girls' school, and she was telling me that she is, you know, very, very much distressed herself when she finds young, you know, 12, 13-year-olds who she may confiscate the phone because they are actually looking at pornography or near pornography or something related to pornography this is disturbing so mums and dads my question to you is do you know what your child is doing on their smartphone at night or at school or when they go out and I suspect the answer is no Neil Uh,
0: Greg what are your thoughts for parents and uh, no doubt there's some hearing this sort of conversation even for the first time today what do you suggest parents do in the way they might communicate with their kids about these things
1: yeah, look, there is a new smartphone out, and I, I don't know the the maker, and I don't like to mention the product, but it's called a GABB smartphone, Neil. And apparently what it does is that it's so, so good that it's, it's, it's intended for children, they can't get onto the internet, no social media, no games. So there are no worries. In other words, this phone will allow the kids to, to, to take photos, talk to their mums and dads, they can take pictures, they can listen to the music, but without access to the internet. Now, that's got to give some real assurance to mums and dads and grandparents in Australia. If you can get a phone, I wish I had one when my kids were growing up, um, because this will solve the problem of kids accessing pornography Unknown to their parents.
0: Okay, it's called the GABB, the GAB smartphone, and uh, listeners might want to, uh, in fact, Google that and see if they can track one of those down. Uh, Greg, I always like to ask you what sort of campaigns you've got running at the moment. I'll give the oh, website in just a few yeah. moments, Family Voice Australia, but uh, there's always a lot of campaigns. People can uh, become involved in petitions and all sorts of things. What's coming up?
1: Yeah, well, certainly. Well, look, we've got a very, very interesting. Um, a webinar coming up uh, in in a week's time, and it's about youth. So we've got a couple of really good speakers from YouthWorks College. They're going to come and talk to us about what are the challenges, Neil? What are the challenges that the youth face in a secular society? So I've got two very good speakers because really, when you've got youth and you're out there trying to to to, to you know um, uh, express your faith and share your faith in the public arena. There are real challenges from a sexual point of view, from a social point of view, from, from, from a, you know, um, a work point of view. So this is going to be a really interesting webinar and I, and I encourage all mums and dads and in particular your listeners who are youth to come and join us for that webinar.
0: Good to support organisations like Family Voice Australia actively campaigning on all these different issues uh, which present real challenges for our coming generation. Familyvoice.org.au and you'll be able to find details about that webinar on youth uh, with speakers from Youth Works College. Uh, No doubt there'll be other campaigns you can check out there too. Greg Bondar is Family Voice Australia State Director for New South Wales and the ACT. Greg, thanks so much for the update today on 2020.
1: Thank you, Neil, and God bless. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.